Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. How we doing? How's your brackets? Busted, like mine, hopefully. Hopefully no one's doing too well. Kind of jealous. Anyways, it's been, it's been a crazy March Madness. It's been a crazy March with the weather, but a crazy March Madness if you've been paying any attention to the, to the brackets that's been going on. Um, there's only one spot left in the final four, and it will either be going to an eight seed or a 15 seed, which I don't know if that has ever happened. I know a 15 seed has never made it this far, but yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's such a, such a great Cinderella story, as they call it, and it's, been, it's just been fun to watch. Uh, but thanks for being here this morning. My name is Blake Cruz. I'm the director of Family Ministries here, uh, and I love a good Cinderella story. I love stories in general. Uh, just two days ago, I finished a book on tape, uh, The Lord of the Rings. Anyone ever heard of that? It's great. Um, uh, epic. So good. And I listened through all three books. It was so good. Um, I love I love plot lines and character development and just the way that Tolkien told that story. I love any good plot line, whether it's a movie TV show, book, whatever. I was, I was the nerd in English class who actually enjoyed the books that the teachers made us read. That, yeah. Um, my wife and I are actually reading through The Chronicles of Narnia right now by C.S. Lewis. I am reading The Chronicles of Narnia to my wife while she falls asleep before bed. That's, that's a little more accurate, but yeah, we love it. Anyways, we are back in Mark again today, and Mark, the gospel writer is a fantastic storyteller. I love reading the Gospel of Mark because he keeps us on our toes. He keeps us looking forward to what Jesus is going to do next. And what I love about, uh, what I love about Mark's Gospel is that from the outset, he is telling how Jesus is establishing the kingdom of God and building up to the climactic point on where, where Jesus is crowned king. And so today, we are going to be in Mark chapter 10. We're going to be in the second half of Mark 10, starting in verse 35. Go ahead and turn there with me now. If you don't have a Bible here with you today, or if you don't have a Bible in general, there's probably a Bible under your seat. And if you don't have a Bible at home, this is our free gift to you. We want to put the Word of God in your hands. We want to make sure that you guys have Scripture in your hearts. And so this is our free gift to you. No one's going to accuse you of stealing if you walk out with it. That is for you. So one of the emphasized points that Mark makes throughout his gospel is that Jesus is here on earth to be king, to set up God's kingdom on earth. And spoiler alert, spoiler alert, Jesus does this through his death and his resurrection. So we pick up our story with Jesus while he and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem where Jesus is going to be crucified. And he doesn't necessarily hide this from his disciples. He actually tells them plainly in verses 32 through 34 of Mark 10. And this is his third time telling them that he's going to die and 
that this is how he's establishing his kingdom. But the disciples don't, for some reason, understand that quite yet. They know that Jesus is the Messiah. They know that he is going to be the king, but they're not sure how he was going to make that happen. So if you would, read with me, starting in Mark 10, verse 35. Follow along with me. It says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. Then they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in the places of honor next to you, one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they said, we are able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John asked, they became indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. So here we have these two brothers, James and John. They come to Jesus. They're two of the 12 disciples, two of the closest people to Jesus. And they say, Jesus, when you come into your glory, when you sit on your throne, when your kingdom is established, we want the places of honor above everyone else. We, we want those spots They were building their kingdom inside of Jesus' kingdom and saying, we want to be honored. What they were expecting and what what a lot of followers during this time were expecting is for Jesus to overthrow the Roman government who currently had control of Israel and were oppressing the Jewish people. And so his followers knew that he was going to be king, but they thought that he was going to be an earthly king who would take Israel back by force. And James and John wanted the seats of honor after Jesus had done all of the work. And this desire to be like a good disciple and a high disciple in the ranks was a recurring theme among the 12. Uh, In chapter nine, right before our chapter, in chapter nine of Mark, they are arguing among themselves on the road and Jesus is like, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, nothing, we don't, no, nothing, we don't. And Jesus is like, if you wanna be first, you're gonna to have to be last. It says in Mark 9, 35b, whoever wants to be first must take the place of the servant and must serve everyone else. So when we come to this passage in Mark 10, Jesus isn't saying anything new. He's repeating himself He's repeating what he said earlier. In Mark, our author artfully places these lessons in back-to-back chapters to hammer home this point. 
He's emphasizing that this is not how the kingdom of God is going to work. It's not about the seat of honor. And that's the difference between the earthly idea of leadership and God's idea of leadership. The difference between the earthly idea of power and God's idea of power. Because you see, earthly leadership, earthly power is based on position and status. And God's kingdom, Jesus teaches that his kingdom is actually going to be the opposite. It's not, it's not based on your status. It's not based on how high up the, the ladder you are. It's not based on what you control or what you oversee. Jesus says, my kingdom is built on service. If you want to be first, you're going to serve everyone else. This is God's kingdom. Jesus's kingdom, God's kingdom is built on service. And this is what James and John and the rest of the disciples and, and sometimes we ourselves fall into. We, we live in a world, and James and John also lived in the, in the same world that is saturated by pride, where, where we are told to build up our own little kingdom, to set up our own little shop, and, and have our domain where no one can tell us what to do except us. Don't believe me? It's one of the, what's one of the first questions that you ask someone when you meet them? Hi, nice to meet you. My name's Blake. What do you do? What position do you have? Now, it's not, it's not a bad question. It's a fair question to get to know someone. It's a fair question if you genuinely want to know about someone, to know what they do, what their interests are. But if we're asking from a place of how big's your kingdom, if we're comparing kingdom sizes, if we're saying, oh yeah, you're just this, well, here's what I do. Our culture is saturated by pride. It demands that you have a high position. This world says, if you don't have this position, you're not as valuable as someone else. If you don't look a certain way or wear certain clothes, you're not valuable. And, and, and this type of thing even manifests itself in us when we're kids and in our kids. I remember uh, being in third grade and we were playing Foursquare one day on the blacktop, and the next day, they had painted a brand new four-square square, so we had two, and we could split the school, but this one group went over there, and they took it over, and they wouldn't let anyone else play with them, and oddly enough, they became the popular kids in high school, but from an early age, we're faced with these questions. Are you in the right four-square group? Are you popular? Do you have the right friends? Do you play the right sports? Are your grades good enough? In this earthly kingdom, without Jesus and in the one that we build for ourselves, we are validated by our position, by what we oversee. And James and John come to Jesus and they say, Lord, we want that position. We want the one that's going to put us above everyone else. And we want, to have, we want to lead in your kingdom, Jesus, but we want to make sure that we are better than everyone else except you. Even the other disciples, we want to be better than them. We want to be better than everyone except you, Jesus. And in verse 41, it says, when the others heard their request, they became indignant. They didn't think that it was fair that James and John asked. We might even say that they were jealous that they didn't think to ask that first. And, James and, er, and Jesus, being much more patient than I am, called them together and he repeats himself and explains to them the difference between an earthly kingdom 
and his kingdom. He says in, in verse 42, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. It will be different. This isn't a, a suggestion that Jesus is making. He's not saying, hey, it'd be a good thing if you, if you served or if you led this way, or it'd be a good thing if you helped me out by helping other people. He's saying, no, my kingdom is built on service, and this is how we serve. This is what we do. It will be different. And then continuing in verse 43, Jesus says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. The world sees, the world sees position and value and a life based on an endless climb towards the top. But Jesus flips it because God's kingdom is built on serving other people, a continuous sacrifice of oneself for the good of others and the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, you see how they lead? You see how the rulers flaunt their authority? Think, that, think themselves bigger and better than everyone else? That's not how you will lead. It's not how you will serve. If you wanna be a leader, if you wanna be first, if you wanna be the top, you're gonna put yourself below everyone else. You're going to seek others' needs first. You're going to seek others' priorities before your own. In verse 44, Jesus goes on to give another command. He says, whoever wants to be first must be the slave of everyone else. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of everyone else. And not only is this a command that Jesus is giving, but it also implies that this is the only way that Jesus' kingdom is going to work. This is the only course of action in God's kingdom. We lay down our lives at the feet of Jesus and we say, God, your will be done. Your will be done, not mine. I will serve your kingdom. I'm no longer gonna serve my kingdom and my desires. I'm gonna seek yours. Service is the most accurate response to the gospel because it's the sacrifice of our lives. It's the sacrifice of our priorities for our wants and desires for God's purpose. The sacrifice of our kingdoms for a new life in Christ and adoption into God's family and into his kingdom. It's the sacrifice of our priorities, of God's priorities <laughs> it's a sacrifice of our priorities for God's priorities. James and John were asking for the position in God's kingdom, and what they didn't understand was that Jesus was paving the way for them to have a position in his kingdom. Jesus, Jesus is paving the way for them to be adopted as sons into his kingdom, which is, which is far greater than any earthly position that we could have. Jesus says, you don't need a big worldly position or title or rank because I'm making a way for you to be a part of my family. He is saving us from our kingdoms because our kingdoms that we build eventually are gonna crumble. 
They're eventually going to fall and be worth nothing more than garbage. And he is saving us from that crumbling, falling kingdom and making a way for us to join him in his. Jesus says, if you choose to follow me, you must be a servant to everyone else. If you're part of my kingdom, you're going to serve my kingdom and no longer serve yours. But, but hear me say this, hear me say this, especially this. Jesus doesn't tell us to do anything that he hasn't done first. Jesus isn't one of those rulers who pretends to be bigger and better than everyone else. He is, but he serves us. He served us through his death and his resurrection. He is leading the way for us to follow him in service. That is why he says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus served us through his death and resurrection and making a way for us to join him in his kingdom. Jesus leads out of service. And we get to join him in that service to others. Easy. Sermon over. I wish. I wish, I wish it was an easy decision to make. I wish, I wish it was easy to lay down our lives and say, I don't want my priorities anymore. God, I want to run after yours. But it's not. It's not. It's a daily battle. It's hard to give up our kingdoms. It's hard to give up our priorities, especially for others. Last week, we walked through the first part of Mark 10. And if you weren't here, I highly recommend you go back and listen to that, that sermon. Um, it's on Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. But Trigg walked us through that passage in both to his credit and to our author's credit, set up this idea of these two kingdoms perfectly. Because if you remember, the rich young ruler, he had everything he ever wanted. He had followed the Jewish law he had all the money he could want. He even recognized Jesus as God. But Jesus said, one thing you lack, one thing that you don't have, go and sell all that you have and follow me. One thing you lack, Jesus says, and it's me. And as Trigg went on to explain, is, and, and what I want to second, is that our finances, our belongings, and in the case of James and John, our position in the world, not, they're not bad things. But when those things take the place of the giver, they become God to us, they become an idol. It's not a bad thing to have money or position, but when the gift takes the place of the giver, we end up misusing the good gifts that God gives us and we end up building a falling kingdom. And so it begs, it begs this question. Which kingdom are we serving? Which kingdom am I, am I serving? Which kingdom, based on our actions, on our words, on our service, which kingdom are we leading others to? Are we, are we living out of service? Are we leading out of service? Or are we living for our own little kingdom. If you're in a position of leadership, are you serving those below you the way that Jesus calls us to serve? 
leaders of the household, husbands and, and your wives with you, are you leading your spouse out of service? Are you leading your children out of service? Are you leading, are you serving your church? Who is responsible for the spiritual lives of your family, of your children? Are you setting an example to your children what it means to serve in Jesus' kingdom? Are you showing what your are you showing your children what it means to serve the church? Last week, we celebrated family dedication. We had 10 families come up here and commit to raising their children in homes where the gospel of Jesus Christ will be taught. And you as a church body proclaimed, we want to support them. We want to serve them and help them raise their children in a home where Jesus is taught. You're serving them. Way to go. Keep going. Keep doing that. Regardless of your earthly position or status, you have a position in the kingdom of God. You, you are called a son or a daughter of the, of the most high king. You have a role to play in serving God's kingdom. What if we were bold with our service? What if in every interaction with another human being, with another image bearer of God, we served them? And with our lives, we pointed them to Jesus' kingdom. What if we were bold and went out of our ways to serve our coworkers, our families, our spouses? What an impact that would have. You want to see life change? Serve. Even Jesus himself took the place of a lowly servant. Even the Son of Man came not to be served. Even God, in human form, Jesus, took the lowest spot on the totem pole and gave his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't want to build himself an earthly kingdom. Jesus didn't want an earthly throne. He wanted you. The God of the universe wanted you he gave up his throne in heaven and said, I'm coming after you. I'm coming to serve you. Our author Mark is building to the climactic point in Jesus' story where he is crucified on the cross and therefore killed, but at the same time crowned king. Making himself lower than all, he humbled himself to a cross and served all of mankind by taking our place in death. And when he took our place in death, he transferred his perfect life to us. There's a transaction that happened right there. Jesus humbled himself and in doing so, made a way for us to join him in his kingdom and escape our falling, crumbling kingdom that no matter how much we try to build will never last. Jesus drank the bitter cup for us. 
Jesus was baptized with suffering for us so that we wouldn't have to suffer. What king would die for his people? What love he must have for us to position himself lower than us and drink the bitter cup so that we would never have to taste it. Do we serve like Jesus serves? Do we lead like Jesus leads? Do we love the way that Jesus loves us? We're gonna move into a time of extended worship here in a minute. And I want us to reflect on this, this bitter cup that Jesus drank. And as, as we worship, I want, I want you to reflect on your lives. Do our lives point us towards Jesus? Do our lives point us towards his kingdom? Do our lives point other people towards kingdom, towards God's kingdom? Let me pray for us. God, we love you. We love you and we are so utterly grateful for an escape from our fallen kingdom. We are so grateful for your service to us, Lord, that as Galatians says, even while we were still sinners, you died for us. God, we don't deserve your love, but we are so thankful for your sacrifice. We are so thankful for your service. Lord, I pray that we take after your example, that we run after you, that we run after Jesus. God, you are so good and you are so worth our praise. And as we worship, Lord, I pray that we give it all back to you, that first and foremost in our lives, we serve you in your kingdom. God, we love you. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.